Thank you for joining us here at Celebration Church, where we celebrate God, celebrate people, and celebrate life. We hope you enjoy today's message. I'm excited to share with us today around Father's Day. Um, I've got a message prepared. I think it's going to encourage you and help you. I just want to acknowledge um, today can be a hard day for some. Uh, If Father's Day is a sore topic, if maybe your dad's not around or has never been around, make sure you reach out. Make sure you get support today. You're not alone. You're not doing this by yourself. And to all the dads out there that maybe are even facing discouragement, that thought they could have done something better, maybe there's some regrets. Today, I believe that you're going to be encouraged and lifed as well. I hope that sounds good. Today's message is not a message from the perspective of, of me as a son. It's not a message about our Heavenly Father's heart towards you. Today's message is all about advice from a dad to the family. Uh, I hope today you're encouraged. I hope today you're challenged. Uh, I want to open with a scripture and then I want to give you today's sermon title. It'll blow your mind and then I'll pray and we'll get into this. It says in uh, 1 Corinthians 4 verse 15, we've heard this scripture many times. It says, even if you had 10,000 guardians in Christ, some translations say teachers, You do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Often we grab that verse and we say there's thousands of teachers, thousands of guardians, but not many fathers. But the verse before and the verse after are super important. So let me read it again. It says, I am writing this not to shame you, but to warn you as my dear children. Then it goes on, even if you have the 10,000 guardians, You do not have many fathers, for in Christ I have become your father in the gospel. And then it says in verse 16, Therefore I urge you to imitate me. Paul is outlining what it is to be a father. He's trying to champion fatherhood in the church. That it's more than just advice. It's more than just telling you what to do. But fatherhood is about setting an example that can be followed. It's about coming alongside of someone. The verses below this unpack a little bit on not coming down with a rod or just with discipline, but coming with a heart of love towards those we lead. So Paul's encouraging fatherhood here. And today's message out of this is simply this, Daddy said so. That's right. I just said, Daddy said so. Uh, That is perhaps the most uncomfortable thing a father can do to refer to himself as Daddy. Daddy wants his cereal. Daddy needs a back rub. It is very uncomfortable. And it's even more uncomfortable when people, dudes, without children refer themselves as daddy or puppy or any of that. But I've said it. That's what today's message is. Daddy said so. It's about fatherly advice for the church. Maybe some pastoral direction for us. So let me pray for us and we'll get into this thing. You're going to be blessed. We're going to have some fun. Sound good? Let's have some fun. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it has the power to change and transform our lives. We honor it in our lives. We place it as an authority and a priority in our lives. We ask that you speak out of your word to our hearts today. Give us courage and boldness to apply it to our lives, to do something with it that would be more than a sermon that we watch and tick and move on from, but you would change and transform us. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen say amen in the chat right now so i know you're there because i'll be in the chat i'll be watching you this is me outside of time right now viewing into the future that's fantastic daddy said so was never a term ever mentioned in my house 
Don't know why I did that. Uh, neither was the term, which is infamous for parents everywhere, the term because I said so. That was never said in my house. It's normally uttered by parents that have checked out because their most annoying child has asked the same question 20 times and then they just blurt out, do it because I said so. And it's normally just the pinnacle of parenting. It's like parenting 101, that term. Um, but I don't want to... Uh, Around the topic of fatherly advice today, I don't want to just tell you what to do and say, go and do it. I want today maybe you to be encouraged and prompted to reflect on these things and maybe apply them to your life. In the chat right now, I'm going to open it up for the next couple of minutes for you to be as funny as you possibly can. I want you to tell us some bad advice that you have been given. Maybe it's from your dad, maybe it's from an ex-girlfriend and she was like, maybe you should lose some weight or whatever the advice has been. Maybe your grandmother once told you that if you had a pimple to put bacon on it and it didn't help, it just made your face greasier and it was just a very confusing experience. Maybe you've heard the advice that when you get a jellyfish sting, you have to put cordial on it. Otherwise it can get worse and worse or tinea, I've heard cordial as well. Maybe you've been told to reuse toilet paper once or pick up a left-handed screwdriver. Uh, maybe you've been told to get windscreen wiper fluid from someone and you've gone to super cheap and tried to pick that up. Write those things in the chat right now. Maybe you've been given good advice, like don't date someone that's broke. That's great advice. Girls, if you wanna date some guy and he's got no money until his Centrelink paycheck comes in, Keep shopping, there's plenty of fish in the sea. So write in the chat now some bad advice. Tom Herbert, come on, come on bro, you're better than that. I just assume that you tried, but you're a good guy, Tom. Let me have a sip. Ah, delicious. I wanna give you a couple on the screen right now from the hits TV show, The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon on the hashtag bad advice. It's this, it says, first day of school, go into lunch and punch the biggest kid. Nobody will mess with you after that. I'm a teacher. That was someone giving advice to a teacher to punch a student. Don't punch a student. I'm talking to you, all of you. And second one is this. I love this one. You might not find it funny at all, but I, for some reason, found this really funny. It says, on my birthday, my dad told me it's rude to open my gifts in front of others. So I opened it in my room and it was an empty box. It's just such a sad, tale and just so many few characters the idea of being sent to your room to open an empty box is amazing i want to give you two of the best advice that i've got right now in 2021 for you are you ready for them yes we're ready for them joe we're writing in the chat we're so excited it's this don't argue with strangers on the internet it is the best advice I can give you. I want to encourage you. Do not enter any forum where you can't look someone else in the eyes and argue about a topic that is important or valuable or that matters. It's not the right platform. Sit with someone, disciple someone. We can have a thousand guardians telling us what to do, but may the church be filled with fathers. Fathers who won't just give wisdom, but will speak loudly through their lifestyle over their words. My second bit of random advice is this. Don't take criticism too seriously from someone you wouldn't take advice from. It's really easy. Maybe you've been encouraged 99 times, but you were discouraged that one time. And for some reason, we hold on to it. 
want to encourage you that when you receive criticism, make sure you don't take it too seriously from someone that when you look at their lives, you're like, I wouldn't take much advice from you, so why does this criticism hurt so much? There's some internet tips 101 for you. But I want to give you this morning or this afternoon or tonight, whenever you're watching, five bits of fatherly advice because daddy said so. And each point will be accompanied by a random power tool because I'm a man, a manly man, and this is Father's Day and fathers love power tools. If you're a dad out there and you have not conformed to the stereotype of liking tools, I pray for you right now that you would get many Ryobi tools from Bunnings and you would be very, very blessed. Shout out to all the men that own chainsaws. You are much more manly than me. I will never compare to your masculinity. And shout out to all the men that go to the gym. Ripped, shredded. Thank you. Blessing us. Amazing. Good stuff. So five bits of advice for you around the word today. It says this in Romans 12 verse 2. This is one of my favorite scriptures. This scripture we went over in our youth ministry for about six months. We focused on this simple verse. I want to read out of the message paraphrase. Thank you, Eugene Peterson. It says this in verse 2. Do not become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you and develops well-formed maturity in you. I love this verse. I love it in NIV. I love it in any translation I can get it in. The first point, first bit of advice this morning is this. Be careful what you feed. Be careful what you feed. In life, you have a very limited amount of food, of resource, of energy, of finance, of time, of thought, of resource. And it's, it's very important. We have to be very careful on what the things in our life we choose to feed and what we don't choose to feed. We've been uh, coming around our celebration offering. Church, I want to encourage you and thank you for your generosity. Giving is open for another couple of weeks. Our giving, no, our giving options aren't on the screen. Um, but we say this term every single year around our giving to prayerfully consider what God has placed on your heart to do. It's actually a really weird term. It's a weird term because we don't prayerfully consider what TV show we're about to watch. We don't prayerfully consider if we should tune in at 11 a.m. and listen to a premier tell us some things. When we should, we should prayerfully consider everything we do, not just moments where it challenges us to be generous, but in every area we should stop and consider what God has for us and wants us to do. Some of us need to prayerfully consider what we're feeding in our lives. Some of us have too much information about a topic. Some of us have tuned in too much to voices that aren't the voice of the Holy Spirit. And my fatherly advice for you, accompanied by... The first power tool, drill, is to be careful what you feed, church. Because as you sow in, as you invest in whatever topic or thought or opinion or whatever partnership you have with a voice or an idea, as you invest into that, you will reap a harvest. You will get fear or worry because you're tuning into topics and things that you shouldn't. 
And we should prayerfully consider what noise comes inside because what's happening internally is very likely a result of the things we've sowed into and allowed into our hearts and into our lives. We need to be careful. I was encouraging some connect leaders a couple of weeks ago that worry in our lives, just hearing information about things, resulting in worry that is in uh, that has no action, has no, what do I do with this, what's happening there, is one of the most toxic fruits that can be in the life of a person. When you're concerned about something that you're not supposed to be concerned about, that God hasn't placed in your heart, it's just, it's just something going on. We need to be careful of what we're letting in to our lives because if we feed certain voices, they will get louder and louder and louder and suddenly we'll find ourselves uh, living in a place that is a bad place because we didn't feed our time with God, we didn't feed his voice, we didn't get better at hearing him, applying what he said. And that scripture is so powerful to don't become well-adjusted to our culture. Our culture is so woke, they're forgetting to blink, and we need to be careful to hear God in everything that is going on around us. So that's the first thing. The second thing is this, found in John 21, verse 15. It says, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Stop. Best breakfast ever where Jesus says, do you love me more than everyone else here? That is the best power move. Jesus, I would love to say that at a birth, someone else's birthday party. Hey everyone, it's great. I'm um, just, just checking in. Does everyone love me more than these? Uh, I love it. It's so good. Uh, Maybe I overread that. I don't know. It says, yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt. Sad, sad Peter. Because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. So having a conversation a couple of weeks ago um, in our staff meeting. Uh, we've been talking about discipleship as a lot as a church. And I arrived at this point being like, we should never have to convince uh, people to love what Jesus loves. We should encourage and life, but we shouldn't overspend our time trying to convince people, Jesus followers, to please, 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 please listen and value what Jesus loves. We have here a scripture where Jesus is restoring Peter. He's bringing him back to where he should be before Acts 2 happens, before he steps into everything that he does as an apostle. He's brought back to this truth where if you love me, then love what I love. Feed my sheep, look after my house. And the second point is this, that we are called to love the work. There's something amazing about the gospel when it's applied to our life. And there's something weird about the gospel when it's all theory and no action. When it's all faith and no works. Where it's just a statement of beliefs rather than a life well lived pursuing God. I want to encourage you this morning, ask yourself the question... Do I love the work of the ministry? Do I love what it is to help sheep, to feed them, to provide for them, to shepherd them, to guide them? Do we love what Jesus loves? Do we love what he's encouraging Peter to love? 
I think it's easy to love a lot of different things, attributes of Christianity. Maybe you love your pastoral care call that you receive. Maybe you love when you get a shout out from your department leader. But I think we are called to be in love with the mission of loving God and loving people. We should love the work. It shouldn't be labor to us. We should be in love following the voice of God and obeying it in every area of our lives. I just want to ask you the question, if if loving God and loving people has turned into a chore for you, maybe... Some advice from daddy this morning could be we need to fall in love with what God loves. And as Jesus followers, that should be one of our main priorities to value what he values, to say what he says, to think what he thinks, to have our hearts aligned with his heart. That sound good this morning. What was the power tool that I did right now? It's this. This is a multi-tool. I nearly cut my finger off with this in our cafe renovations. Shout out to everyone helping out in the cafe. New building projects are coming. This thing turns. It's great. Look at that. Roby for life. Bunnings, please sponsor me. Please send me tools. Please send me vouchers. The third thing is this this morning. It is invest over exist. I encourage you this morning, maybe in your finances, maybe in your time, maybe in your energy, to not just exist, not just to go day in and day out, but let me give you some fatherly advice. Invest in the right things. The greatest investment you will ever make is investment in yourself. It's growing in who you are in God. Whether that's in your finance, it's really easy to be like uh, survival mode with your finance. It's really easy to get out of survival mode as well. Maybe you I kind of right on your bills right now. Let me just play a trick with you, a simple little game. If you had 10% less money than you have right now, what would you change? If there's things you can cut out, if there's things that you can move, you would survive still, you would work something out. Maybe now live with a 10% less budget rather than a 10% more budget. Because if we can't manage faithfully and invest in the right things now, I, I want to tell you, church, if you had an extra hundred or five hundred or thousand dollars a week, you would be in the same situation. And whether it's simply in your, I have some, some rules in finance. So we spend about 60, 65% of our budget on our living. We spend 10% on others. That's the house of God. That's our type. We spend 10% on investment in ourselves. And then we invest 20%. And that could be in savings, that could be in stock, that could be, I don't know, lotto tickets, kidding. Um, But investing in those things is really powerful. But if you take time to invest in yourself, I'm not talking about a Netflix um, membership. I'm talking about maybe you should buy a book, not borrow it, buy it. Spend $50 and buy a hardcover book to better yourself, to improve who you are as a follower of Jesus. If you invest in that, suddenly in a year's time, you'll be able to invest and think and dream and and step into everything that God has for you because you take moments to invest in yourself. Your quiet time is an investment in yourself. Worshiping God is an investment in yourself. Prayer is an investment in yourself. But you need to take some time, some energy to invest so that you don't just exist. That makes sense. A little practical one in the middle there for you. What's the power tool attached to that? It is this. This is a sander. I love that they make no sense. They're not attached at all. I just, I just want props and they're there and I had them, so why not? The third, uh, the fourth thing is this. 
Philippians 3 verse 10 is a scripture that was up on um, our medicine cabinet when I was growing up. It's a scripture that's burnt into my mind. But I want to read uh, verse 10 to 14 and give you our fourth point today. It says, I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his suffering, becoming like him in his death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already attained all of this or have already arrived at the goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Often this verse uh, isn't used in the perfect context. Paul here talking to the church in Philippi is outlining a truth that we, that Paul, that us, that all of us need to keep on dying. We need to keep on understanding what it was for Jesus to die and be resurrected. And Paul is saying here, I have not yet understood or taken hold of it. But I press on, I keep on conforming, I keep on forgiving, I keep on becoming more and more like Jesus in every measurable way as my goal. And my fourth point for us today, my fourth bit of daddy advice is this, to have a culture of whatever it takes. We need to be careful as that scripture encourages us in Romans to not conform to the pattern of our world. And it's important that the church would remain in a culture that Paul is outlining here, that he is forgetting what is behind him and he is pressing on towards a goal. And that goal is to know God in every way. And specifically, the way that he's trying to understand God is the power of his resurrection, the participation in his suffering, becoming like him in his death and therefore understanding resurrection. Paul here is championing a culture that should stay in the church and the culture is not whatever I can. The culture is not whatever I should. The culture is not whatever the person next to me is doing. The culture is not whatever I choose to do or whatever I want to do. The culture is whatever it takes. There's something really powerful in the words here of Paul helping us to understand none of us have a right. It would take all of us more suffering, more sacrifice, more obedience, more conforming to the image of God, more times stepping out by faith, believing for a miracle, more times standing when it looks hopeless, fighting against the storm, believing for peace in unbelievably difficult circumstances. All of those things are important and good because you and I have not arrived. And we should do whatever it takes to arrive, to press on towards the goal, to understand Jesus, to forgive generously, to do everything that Jesus did, not just in theory, but applying it in our lives. I feel like the culture of whatever it takes can sometimes be a bit of a dying breed in the church. That we let other things creep in, whatever I want, whatever I can, whatever I should. A culture of whatever it takes sets the next generation up to see heroes. Heroes of generosity, heroes of sacrifice, heroes that went above and beyond, heroes that weren't afraid to trust in God with their whole heart and lean not on their own understanding, but in all their ways acknowledge him and trusting that God would make their path straight. There is something amazing when we give our life to God and don't take it back. 
When we say, God, I give you my whole life, therefore I will do whatever it takes to reach people for you, you, to love you unconditionally, to press on towards these goals. Church, this morning from daddy right now, I want you to ask yourself the question, how are you going with this culture of whatever it takes? What was the last thing you did above and beyond for the kingdom of God to build what God has asked you to build, to love what he's asked you to love, to feed his sheep? Power tool, you ready for it? It's a blower! Fourth power tool, amazing stuff. The last one is going to blow your mind. Okay, our fifth and final point and the power tool to accompany... No blade church. I'm safe. It's calculated risk. I'm very safe. The fourth, uh, sorry, the fifth point, our final point this morning is this. You first. I'm not saying uh, love yourself first and then love others and then love God. That's a very backwards gospel. What I'm telling us is we're about to look in a scripture where Jesus tells us to treat the log or the plank in our own eye. Really, uh, Crazy thing is when we weaponize the gospel and allow it to be a sword to judge the world rather than a sword that divides our own soul and spirit and helps us to follow God. I want to look in these verses in a second to help us understand that the gospel should transform us from the inside out. That is not for our brother first. It is the good news is good news for you and I. It says this in verse one, it says, do not judge others and you will not be judged. For you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. And why worry about the speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of the speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own? Verse 5 says, hypocrite. I love the New Living Translation. First get rid of the log in your own eye and then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Verse 6 is quite convicting. It says, don't waste what is holy on people who are unholy. Don't throw your pearls to pigs. They will trample the pearls and then turn and attack you. There's some great visual about pigs attacking you. Jesus is encouraging his disciples here and us here with the truth that we need to treat. And the truth is that you and I have a log in our eyes. That those that follow Jesus are not exempt from mistake, from error, from wrong belief, from wrong conviction. In fact, we have the potential to have it more than most. Because the idea that we have a relationship with God can often trick us into thinking, therefore, every thought I have is the thought that matches up with God. And we weaponize the gospel, but the truth is seen very clearly here. That we can look for a speck in someone else's eye, but it's a bit foolish when we have some things in our own life. We have our own sin, we have our own issues, we have not yet reached our goal. We are pressing on towards it. I want to encourage us with our final point uh, this morning to allow the gospel to transform us first. One of the convictions, uh, one of the, sorry, the mistakes that can happen in the church is that we can take the gospel and following Jesus and then look at the world and say, hey, you should be following Jesus. And it doesn't make any sense. 
The gospel is for people that are willing to submit to it. It is not just a message for everyone and everyone should be following Jesus. No, those that want to follow Jesus should follow Jesus. But giving uh, the truth of what it is to be holy and set apart for God and giving it to unholy is discouraged here by Jesus. I want to tell you, church, as a daddy of the house, to give you some truth this morning, you first. Forgive first. Get over yourself first. Don't be the first to have an opinion about what everyone else is doing. Be the first to come before God and say, God, examine my heart. Is there anything in me that offends you? That is why the gospel is powerful. It is not for your brother. It is for you. It is so that you can become more like Jesus, so that you can forgive more radically, so that you can live more sacrificially, and so that you, Jesus follower, can lean into God not into psychiatry, not into boundaries, not into what you can do, but you could lean into God and allow him to work in power in your life. I dare say this, the gospel is most powerful in your heart rather than in your mouth. That it has to start in here to have any power out there. You can just say random Christian catchphrases, but we're encouraged at the very beginning of today's message by Paul to be fathers, not just teachers, not just guardians. So Jesus encourages us to let it work from the inside out. So to recap, be careful what you feed, love the work, invest over exist, have whatever it takes and apply the gospel to you first. Right before I pray, church, I just want to give you two questions for your Zooms this morning. The first one is this, to share some advice that you have got. The good, bad, and the ugly. Take some time in your Zoom connects to be like, yeah, I got told this once and it worked or it didn't work. Share some advice. And the second thing, it's really simple. I just want you to share something that God has spoken to you about today out of the word. I want to give you any directional questions. I believe the Holy Spirit had something for you to catch this morning. I want you to share it. Share it with your connect group. Maybe share it with your family if you're watching together. Well, it has been fantastic to be with you online. Happy Father's Day to all of our dads. May your greatest dreams come true. May you get all the power tools your heart desires. And I pray this morning, church, that you were blessed. Let me quickly pray for us, and then we will finish today's service. God, I thank you for your word. I pray that it would convict, change, transform, and encourage us. We want to be more like you, Jesus. We're not interested in being more like us. We have done that very well without you. We want to be more like you. Speak to us, transform us, and may your gospel outwork in power in our lives and then in our actions and then in our words. Thank you for everything you're doing. Transform, speak to us, help us. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you would like to know more about our church, please go to celebrationchurch.com.au.